Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Well, have you ever found yourself standing at a fork in the road? Okay, that's a good question because, yes, yes. But, you know, it's interesting because you always picture that, you know, there's like um, that road less traveled and there's Mm. all these plums and you always see the the person standing in the fork in the road going that way. And and you do. The the person's always standing and looking at the road with an arrow going one way, an arrow going the other way. But I think in reality in life, a lot of times we're sitting at the fork (laughs) in the road because you're just, you're overwhelmed. Like, I, I don't know which, I really don't know. I just need somebody to tell me which way to go. You know, you're at that point and it's like, sometimes you're in that moment where I can't even think beyond the next step. And so we find ourselves, I know that I have, I found myself like literally just hunkered down Mm -hmm. sitting right there at the fork in the road, just pondering options and, and almost afraid paralyzed to take a step either direction because it's of the uncertainty, Mm -hmm. but yet you can't live like that way. And I think sometimes I, I know you and I have said this before, where if you, if you do jump and start going down a path and you feel like you're prayed up, but yet there are times when you feel like, okay, are we grabbing the maidservant? Mm-hmm. Are we at that fork on the road and we're making it happen? Or is this truly God's direction and God's plan? So you, you, you keep sitting there waiting for, you know, we, we like to say seeing the handwriting on the wall, but so many times that's why you end up sitting Exactly. Well, okay, before we get too far into our show, because I, I have some things I want to tell you that I started doing um, I, when I took when a direction in the fork in the road, but, and it's on a shallow schedule. So, but before we get too far in our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, I know later in, uh, you know, coming up, our, our special guest, um, Karen Swallow Pryor, she wrote a book um, called Fierce Convictions, and, we, and we're, this is gonna, on a deeper level, and it's, it's a true story, which we love, you know, the true stories, about a woman who had some fierce convictions and how she literally, through her convictions, changed some society and cultural laws and really was a voice for change. And that, we, and so I can't wait to talk about that. Oh, it, it makes our, it, it really does pump you up. Yeah. Because we're, I want to be like that. Yeah. And we're always praying, okay, God, I want to do great big God-sized things. Give us those fierce convictions. Exactly. So we're going to put that on pause oh, we because are. we're going to go a little more shallow right now because okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do a true confession to you because this is something we've been talking about. Talk about the fork in the road. So many times we, we talk and I know my temperament, I talk things and process out loud. Therefore, I think sometimes I do them. You know, as you know, two confessions. <laughs> um, and so one of the things that I've been talking about, and this is on a really deep level, is a, as a TV series and Downton Abbey. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, you have you've talked, talked about, about it. You've talked about it. I've had so many people around that just love this show. I've heard so many rave reviews. I love anything English. 
And, you know, just in London and England just a couple months ago. And in fact, when we were in England back in November, we drove by there, the, the, the place where they film it and we saw it, but it didn't mean anything to yeah. me because See, I haven't I seen the series. Yeah. I know. And so the guy's like, anybody that's, you know, Downton Abbey, this isn't, tell us a little bit of history and, and all that kind of stuff. And so it didn't really mean much, but I'm like, okay, I really do want to go home and start watching this since I love English stuff. I've heard so many rave reviews and, you know, all that stuff. So over the Christmas break, I decided I am going to start the series. Because sometimes you're afraid, like, you get into it and it's like, okay, I'm like four or five seasons behind. Yeah. And, you know, catching up. And I'm not really one to watch a lot of TV, a series that you know, I get hooked in. Yeah. And because I can't keep it consistent. So I kind of, but I just heard too much about the show and I'm like, I got to do it. So I just want you to know. I am now into my second season, I think the second episode. And I, when I'm watching, I want to so badly call you and go, okay, what happened with, and what did she do? And it's like, I want, I'm just thinking about you talking to you in my head as I'm watching this going, okay, do I want you to give me a little sneak peek of what's to come? Or do I want to discover it along the way, which is a lot like life. Yes, absolutely. Yes, you're right. Because you do, you want to fast forward it and go, okay, what's happening here with Mary, which I'm not going to tell you, or <laughs> what, what's happening here with, you know, I, I've already forgotten the characters because it was so many seasons ago. Um, and, so last year, yeah. right? And you do wish someone would tell you, this is what's going to happen. This is the road. Because you feel you're... that anxious for them and the situation to go, I want to know that this gets resolved mm-hmm. and how it gets resolved so then I can move forward. But that's life. Yeah, that is life. And it's funny because right now, um, as you know, because you're married to the senior pastor who is having us all read Plan B, the book. And so many times we have Plan A and we do have these fierce convictions and we do have this passion on, hey, I would love to see these changes taking place. And the route that we go or the, the, the path that when we're at that fork in the road that we start going down and all of a sudden... Um, for some people, avalanches start taking place. For others, maybe a few pebbles might, you know, become the obstacles. But that plan A that you're going down just all of a sudden doesn't happen. And you might have to start taking the, the plan B. And with that, all you can do sometimes is look at other people and you think they're on their plan A track. And it can be even more devastating um, and I, I love the example in in the book where he was talking about with Mary, um, when the angel came to Mary, she simply just said, let it be. And that really helped me. I, I was actually reading that part this morning. That's why I'm passionate about it. Because I, I instantly want to break out into song, you know, the Beatles song, let it be, but I won't. I'll spare you. But yeah. But it is, it's so true to be able to truly just surrender it all over to the Lord and say, let it be. Mm-hmm. And my plan A might not be working the way I'm have well, the way I planned it, but plan B is going to be just as awesome. You just let it be. Let God be there with you. Let him flow through you and move and slowly you might even be able to come back around to plan A or maybe not. But we do know plan B is going to be even crazier better than what we had anticipated plan A to be when we allow God just to flow through us. Or I'm going to, I'm going to play devil's advocate because so many times people are like, I'm in the middle. I know I was talking to a young woman the other day that's, you know, her desire of her heart is to be pregnant and, you know, is experiencing, you know, miscarriages and, Mm -hmm. and just, I want to know, um, I don't know if I'm going to have 
the desires of my heart. Mm -hmm. You know, if that really is Mm -hmm. the plan for my life and in spite of this, I have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we always want, we always want the happy ending and we hear so many of the stories that, you know, I was going through here, but here's, here's, you know, what I got. And sometimes when you're in the middle of it and you go, I don't have any guarantees. I don't know this is going to turn out and I still have to be okay with it and go, let it be God, let Mm -hmm. it be. And that's just a hard place to be. And I think we all find ourselves in those places um, on different levels, different circumstances in life. And it's just, it's comforting. And that's one of the reasons why we do this show. It's to let people know you're not alone in mm-hmm. your journey and your struggles. And though we all want to rally together and take the world and, you know, be the next, you know, inventor of something on a grandiose scale or create change on a massive level, the reality of is the day-to-day life and the steps that we take and knowing you're not alone in your feelings Mm -hmm. and in the journey. And so we find much encouragement just with each other and and just bringing women along to go, okay, we're with you in the journey. And that God sustains you through all of that. When you just feel just beat up and at, at that lowest moment where you really you get out of bed and you go, I cannot put my foot forward. I just want to, you know, and and it might be as simple as you and I were, I was cracking up with us putting our Christmas stuff away. You would think that we were climbing Mount Everest (laughs) and doing that. We were were calling daily going, did you get yours down yet? No, I'm in denial. (laughs) I think you take hikes, you go hiking when you don't want to do it. And I run my vacuum cleaner. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's just it's such a small thing that can put you in a funk. And we laugh because there are there, are, you know, we have friends that are dealing with cancer. You know, they're they're literally having to go shave their heads and we're over here in a funk at, at you know, it's it's reality yeah. to you at that moment. But God sustains you through all of this and you just have to say, let it be. And you know there's that cord that he puts those, like you said, the friends in your life, the people in your life that the Jesus was skin on to help you move forward to accept um, the plan B, but you can still have your fierce convictions. Right. Exactly. And know what those are. And that, and that goes back to taking time to understand how you're wired. What are my convictions? Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of times we don't know, or they shift or they change and to write them down. To write them down. I know we say that a lot, but we don't take the time to go, this is how I'm wired. Here here we go, God. This is the desires of my heart and my fierce convictions, like you said, even the gal in the middle of, I just, I want to have a baby. You know, to write that down and truly give it to God. Because so many times we we write it down, it doesn't change everything miraculously, but it does give it over. You know, casting Mm -hmm. your cares Mm -hmm. onto Him rather than, Hoarding it to where you can't shift the way that your mind thinks almost because mm-hmm. you can't get out of it. You just keep spiraling in the same conversation. And um, I know that in you know the books that we read and um, some of the research that has taken place, it really does help the physical aspect of the hurt and the pain if you write it down and give it over to God as you're praying over it and reading scripture over it. Absolutely. Well, I, I know we both are really excited about our guest that's going to be joining us, us after the commercial break. Um, Karen Swallow Pryor is the um, author of a book, Fierce Convictions, which kind of got us thinking about this whole thing with the fork in the road. And, you know, what do you, what do you stand for? Even what do you sit for <laughs> in some cases? Um, you know, what, what, what is the, uh, the guiding um, principles in your life that, um, that are part of your decision-making on do I go right or do I go left? 
and in knowing what those are, like you mm-hmm. said, writing them down, being a student of yourself mm-hmm. to go, this is, this is who I am and who I'm not. This is what I really am passionate about. This is what I really believe in. This is what I will um, die on the hill for. This is what I won't. And just understanding all of that so that you can make a wise decision. And, and, and yet in those decisions, there is a lot of uncertainty and risk, mm-hmm. but it doesn't stop you from going forward. So that is kind of our challenge as we go into our show and we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with author, uh, Karen Swallow Pryor, and just learning a lot about another woman's life. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature, and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Today, we are talking about standing at the fork in the road, or sitting, as you said, which I really love that. But joining us now is our special guest, Karen Swallow Pryor, and she is the professor of English at Liberty University. She is the author of Booked, Literature in the Soul of Me, and contributes to Christianity Today, The Atlantic, and Relevant Magazine, among other publications. But recently, Karen just finished a book called Fierce Convictions, and we are so excited to dissect that with you today. So welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. 
So you have to tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, how are you and what's the weather where you are um, from? Well, it is unbearably cold here for Virginia. It, it was in the, I think, close to zero last night and climbed up to 14 or 15 here, which I know it's worse than other places. But for Virginia, this is pretty cold. How about you? Well, we're we're in, I, I don't want to brag, but I, I heard that, that you guys are coming from the cold, 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 and we're probably like mid-70s, just kind of fun. Oh. If we wanted to lay on oh. the sun. <laughs> Oh, that sounds <laughs> heavenly. <laughs> well, Karen, I don't know if you were able to hear like the first part of us, you know, we, we, we take a scenic route to a, to a topic and we were talking about, you know, the fork in the road and, and, and really it came from, you know, your book, the title Fierce Convictions, which like Patty said, we really want to unpack, but it's a, it's a true story from what we understand of a woman and, and who lived out her fierce convictions. But, um, we're excited too. We were talking a little bit about England and, you know, downtown. Abby, we took a scenic route to it. We went through downtown. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and, and I love anything English, and we both have been to England. And um, anyway, so it's like it's intriguing your story because it is of about a woman, um, and I think the context is set in England. So, will you to explain a little bit of the background of, of the book, Fierce Convictions, and um, the, the woman, Hannah Moore, and a little bit about her sure. story? Sure. So a lot of people have not heard of Hannah Moore. Um, sometimes readers are a little embarrassed because they haven't heard of her. Well, most people haven't, and that's why I wrote this book, which is a biography. So it's um, the true story of her life. Um, Hannah Moore lived from 1745 to 1833, so she was a century before Downton Abbey folks. Um, mm -hmm. But the best short introduction I can give to her, and I'm, I will certainly elaborate, but She's essentially the female Wilberforce. Most people know of William Wilberforce because of his famous campaign to abolish the slave trade in England. And Hannah Moore worked with Wilberforce. They were close friends. Um, she obviously was not a politician. She was a woman, so she had a less public role. But she, um, she did a number of things in her life. And most uh, interesting is the role that she played in helping Wilberforce to abolish the slave trade in England. How did you yourself become aware of, because I, 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 we haven't heard of her, and it seems like she did some really significant things, and if she's hanging out with people like William Wilberforce, you know, it's like, okay, right. this was, she, had, <laughs> she was a significant woman. So how did you come across her story, and what compelled you to go, I want to tell her story? No, excellent question. Well, actually, I, I, I discovered her the only way, really, she would have been discovered um, this a few years ago, and that is through doing doctoral research for my Ph.D. dissertation. She was really that obscure. None of my professors on my committee had even heard of her. They were a little leery of my doing my dissertation on her. She wrote, among many other works of literature, she wrote one novel, and that was the focus of my dissertation. But when I finished it, this, about 16 years ago, I just knew I had discovered a character that deserved to be known to the wider world, and so I just always had a dream of writing a biography of her that would be accessible to a general readership. And then a few years ago, um, when the film Amazing Grace, which was primarily about William Wilberforce, was made, Hannah Moore actually is in that film. So if anyone has seen that film, there is a woman who's in just a couple of scenes, an older woman who um, encourages Wilberforce to 
remain in Parliament and work to end slavery. Um, she's part of the meetings w- with the abolitionists that takes place. And so she makes a cameo appearance in that film. And of course, that thrilled me to no end to see her mm. portrayed in a major Hollywood film. Um, and that's when I decided, you know, I needed to get back to work on this uh, popular biography of her and, uh, and, and write that. Well, so I did. We both love that movie, and we would highly recommend. And just now when you said that, she just came to life and and, uh, makes you excited to read the book. So tell us a little bit, when you said as you were doing um, the research, describe like the educational system for girls uh, during that time period. And was it common for women to to receive an education like Hannah Moore did or... You know, how, how was the school and, and the, the, her friends around her, was, was that um, just, uh, um, I'm trying to think of, just in a higher class to even be able to go to a school and be educated? Right. I mean, the, the education system was so different then. Uh, there was no public education at all. And so, essentially, the, the children of, of wealthy families would receive tutoring at home. Then the men may go off to Oxford or Cambridge to be uh, educated for the ministry. The women just received, you know, whatever they, they got at home. And for the lower and working class uh uh, children, for the most part, received no education whatsoever. And when Hannah was born, uh, and her four sisters, she was one of five girls, they were born to a schoolmaster who ran a charity school for poor boys. Um, at that time, it was, wealthy philanthropists were beginning to see the need to educate uh, poor children, and so they established charity schools. And so Hannah Moore was born to a schoolmaster who taught his five daughters at home and he, uh, Hannah was just so brilliant and had such a natural knack for languages and even mathematics that she received an education that was more than most girls received. And she followed her natural inclination to write. Her family supported it. Eventually, she became a teacher at a school that she and her sisters opened for the growing middle class of women. And so she really, as a working-class girl, received an education in, in foreign and classical languages and math and, and things that most girls didn't receive. And that's what allowed her to eventually, as she made her way, um, begin to write works that would be read by uh, the wealthy and the elite. Mm. So basically, she was a huge trailblazer. I mean, she just, she like, before talking about the, time, yeah, yeah, before her time. I mean, talk about the fork in the road. She took a path um, you know, the road less traveled, basically, and, and created a trail and a path for other women to, to follow. Um, who was influential? I mean, cause, I mean, that, especially for a woman, and, and in that day and age, and I mean, the things that you just described, you know, that even she would have an education, that she would step out, and then they created schools and whatever. Who were the people in her life, even before she met, Will, you know, William, I want to hear how that even happened, but who were some of the influential voices at the time that that she would have relied on or she would have gone to? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you talk. You were talking about the fork in the road and the, and the influences because and and because the only way that Hannah Moore really was actually able to be a trailblazer for women was to actually have the support of the men in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, this began with her father, but uh, it also she lived in a in the seaport town of Bristol where a lot of um, uh, politicians and famous people would come through, and uh, she had she wrote poetry for them and, and other works, and these men who, um, who 
had power and influence back in London actually supported her. They read her work, they um, they uh, praised her, they encouraged her, and one of them even sent one of her plays that she wrote as a young woman to the, the very famous Shakespearean actor and, and um, theater manager David Garrick in London, so that when Hannah Moore finally traveled to London uh, for uh, the first time, she her play had already gone before her because it was sent by a mutual friend who was supporting her. And so um, about a lot of these, these men are not as well known today. They were important movers and shakers at the time, and, and they supported her. And that's what allowed her to cultivate her natural talent and, um, and then become well-received in influential circles. At what point in her life does she go, I have this fierce conviction that, um, for the, for the slavery, for her cause, so to speak. I mean, at what point does that start becoming, um, so strong on her and within her that she's like, I got to do something about this. And it's like, she shifts in, in not just the writer and influencer, but I'm going to fight for, you know, for women, I'm going to fight for this. What, at what point in her life does that start happening? Well, of course, going back that far, there are a lot of gaps in the record. So the first thing that we know is that um, that early on, as early as the 1770s, long before Wilberforce uh, was known to anyone, um, she befriended a family uh, of called Charles and Mary Middleton, and uh, Charles Middleton had been a sea captain, and had actually witnessed firsthand the horrors of the slave trade out on the seas in the African continent. And these, this couple was, was sort of like a surrogate set of parents to Hannah Moore. And because they were fierce abolitionists uh, who began a strong abolitionist movement in their area, and Hannah was part of, uh, of their family circle, Hannah began to oppose slavery, too, again, long before she met uh, William Wilberforce in uh, 1787. So... Um, among the things that, that that Hannah did, and we'll talk about Wilberforce in a little bit, but she started a, a, a boycott, a very successful boycott of the sugar that was produced by slave labor. She wrote letters to the editor. She wrote letters to her friends, um, just trying to convince them of the evils of, of the slave trade. And then, of course, when she met Wilberforce, um, she did even more. Okay, this is fascinating, and because there's so many things, like even today, I women, you know, Patty and I, I'm just on our conversation with women, women want to know that they still matter. They still have a purpose. And there's so many injustices you look around mm-hmm. and you see, and you're like, okay, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. And it's like, just staying the course, identifying, and then doing what God calls you to do, which is what you see, what you're saying. You know, she used her gifts and her talents and her circumstances and her life experiences um, and, and how God just kind of orchestrated events and, and timelines in her life. Um, we're going to have to take a quick break, Karen, here. And, and when we come back, like you said, let's talk about William Wilberforce, because that's, you know, he's a fascinating historical, um, you know, person of interest. And just, you know, it, it's just such a challenge and encouragement for all of us to, you know, when we see a need or when we see an injustice, what can we do if we just step into it and, and make a decision to go a certain way and even trailblaze along the way? So we're going to take a quick break and we come right back. We're going to continue our conversation about fierce convictions with Karen Swallow Pryor. We'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Hey kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our show. We are talking about Fierce Convictions with Karen Swallow Pryor, and she is the author of Fierce Convictions. And um, just unpacking your book, I I have a feeling that Lisa and I are going to have all kinds of conversations even after the show. Uh, It's so interesting um, in talking about your main character here, Hannah Moore. Um, What In in the book, you make a comment about... um, uh, being in the, the, the heart of, of slavery. And what do you mean by that? Like, what, what do you think that happened in her life to have such an impact when you, when you think of, I'm I'm all over this with my question, but when you think of how can we have these fierce convictions where we're so passionate that we go out there and we make a difference and, and we compare ourselves, even though we shouldn't, even to someone like you who had a fierce conviction about writing this book about Hannah Moore. Um, at what point do you think that she was like, I, I'm not going to handle that. I'm not going to stand it anymore. I'm, I, I have to move forward. Uh, I can't just sit here. Well, I think, you know, comparison is a great deceiver and thief of, of many things and destroyer. And so we really can't compare. If we look at Hannah Moore's life, there are so many things that she could have compared herself to. She actually was a little prone to, to some insecurity because uh, once she began um, – 
being received into the circles of the wealthy and influential. She, she really felt like she didn't belong and she really wanted to be accepted by them. And so she was uh, a, a little bit too um, subservient to them and nervous about being accepted by them. So we see that weakness in her. But there were so many things that she, she didn't have. Um, her whole, the whole talk about a fork in the road, the fork that she took was determined when she ended up being abandoned by her suitor, um, three times, um, this man who was supposed to marry her and, and, um, and jilted her three times. And so she finally broke off the engagement and decided to spend her, the rest of her life as a single woman. It was not what she, the course that she originally set out or chose but it was the one that she ended up with, and that, that's the opportunity that she took. So she, you know, rather than um, languishing because she never married, she chose a different course. She took the opportunity that God gave her by let, allowing her to remain single for her life because uh, in those days a woman who married would then have children and, you know, would not be able to do the things that she did. So that was one turning point for her and one opportunity where she just went forward rather than languishing under um, the the slave of comparison. She also, because she was born to a a poor uh, father and poor mother, um, she ended up, she did not remain poor. She was one of the first self-made women uh, or, or people in that period of history who rose above her station and generated wealth. She died a wealthy woman uh, and used that money to, to donate to many, many causes. So again, um, she just moved moved forward to the opportunities that God gave her, even though there were many things that she couldn't do. She had frail help and suffered with bouts of illness throughout her entire life, probably some of that was what we would call today clinical depression. So again, she had many, many obstacles, but she made the most, and and then just being a woman, being a woman and not being able to do all the things that the male abolitionists and politicians were doing, yet she was given many, many different kinds of opportunities, and she took full advantage of those and accomplished such a great deal because she went through the doors that were opened for her. And in, in the way that you say she took full advantage of those opportunities, it does go back to that sitting at the fork in the road because um, just seeing the weaknesses, like you said, you just put all these obstacles that we we all have to suffer through some of those, where it be it your your health or just feeling inadequate when you're in a situation mm-hmm. where you're passionate and you want to move forward. And, and Hannah, that, Hannah felt that inadequacy a great deal. That's one of the things that fascinates me about her, her as, a, as a figure is that she really did suffer from that. So I, I have to ask you, Karen, then when you, as you're writing this, you're going so deep into the research, is your own feelings of inadequacy, are you able to kind of pin that down and realize, wow, if Hannah was able to move forward with all of these obstacles, just being around the wealthy and um, not coming from that same station in life, having all the medical, especially if she's dealing with uh, depression, were you able to go, I can conquer the world? I mean, through Christ, I, I've got everything here and I can move you know, forward. Or um, how, how did that make you feel as you were writing this? Well, this was, writing this actually was, became, was much more difficult than I anticipated it to be. As I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of gaps in the historical record going back this far. Um, a lot of, uh, of, of work has been done on Hannah Moore, but not for a long time. So some of that work is actually um, 
inaccurate or or slanted in some ways. So, and I'm not a trained historian. I'm a, I teach English literature, and and studying and writing historical uh, literature is very different. So I actually suffered feeling uh, some inadequacy to a great degree in writing this, but um, I knew I was supposed to do it. I knew I had started it, and I wanted to finish um, well and finish strong, and so I persevered, and I like to think that I set realistic goals um, because sometimes we, you know, we can't do everything. We can never really do everything, but we can do what we can, and I think that's something that I saw modeled in Hannah Moore's life. They struggled. She and her abolitionist friends fought for decades for the end of uh, the slave trade, and then after that, the, the freeing of the slaves. It wasn't something that happened overnight. It required a great deal of team effort as well. It wasn't something that any one person did on his or her own, and that's another lesson. We're not just, you know, we're not islands. We're not... Um, out there on our own just trying to, to do something by ourselves, but we, we live in community and we need to draw strength and support from um, healthy communities in order to accomplish anything. And Hannah Moore did that. You're talking about her feelings of inadequacy, how strong they were, and, and you know, as she got into a different um, class of people. And, and just when you look at her her acquaintances, you talked about Wilbur, Wilbur, William, excuse me, William Wilberforce, and like even John Newton, who wrote, um, who was the author of the hymn Amazing Grace. These were contemporaries and friends of hers, and which I find fascinating on a couple levels. First of all, they're, they're men, and second of all, very influential men, and I don't know if they were as influential at the time as, as they are to us looking back on them. Um, can you just kind of explain those friendships and those um, how they impacted each other, how they, like you said, they worked together, and what was the significance of all of that? Yeah, well, first of all, Wil- Wilberforce and Newton were very well-known and very influential in their lifetimes. Uh, one of the great influences that Newton had, particularly on Hannah Moore, is that it was his writing that really cemented her evangelical faith. Um, she, Hannah Moore was born into the Church of England and was always, you know, had a religious and moral bent, but um, it was Newton, I think, who really um, helped her to understand her Christian faith in more evangelical terms, in terms of a, of a personal faith in Christ that would have a transforming effect on her life and the lives of others. So, and Newton did that actually for a number of people. Um, and so, Yes, Hannah Moore was a single woman. Um, she befriended Newton and Wilberforce through the abolitionist movement, they, but they also worked on a number of other projects. Hannah Moore opened uh, a number of Sunday schools throughout her home region where she taught the poor to read and do arithmetic and learn Bible lessons and skills that could help them gain better employment. And Wilberforce and Newton actually helped to pay for a, a lot of uh, those schools and for the teacher salaries and so forth. Um, and so in these bounded, bonded by a common Christian faith and a common vision for social reform, um, these people were great friends and partners uh, working together. Um, it was not common for women to be allowed in official meetings and gatherings of men, but Hannah Moore was an exception to that. She was said by historians to be the only woman who was on an equal level with the men, uh, and I think it's just simply uh, because of 
her giftings and, and her personality. She was actually um, a conservative woman. She was opposed to the growing feminist movement of her century. And so I think the men also, you know, they didn't feel threatened by her. She, they knew that she stood for the same values that they stood for, and that, that actually opened up more doors for her than other women uh, would have had opened. Hmm. Well, Karen, we only have three more minutes. And just a, quickly to just to kind of wrap this up. First of all, thank you so much for taking your time and joining us and just appreciate all the research you did. Um, if you could just share just a couple things, how, how our listeners can find your book. Um, and, cause we want to encourage you to run out and, and get that. Um, and secondly, what do you want us, um, what did you learn from Hannah Moore's life that, cause you were a professor that you instill in, in the, in the young women or just women that you come in contact with? What, what, what life lessons have you taken from Hannah Moore that you, that you communicate to women today? Sure. Well, first of all, the book is published by Thomas Nelson Publishers, so you can find it on their website, but you can also find it really at, you know, Barnes & Noble and uh, Amazon and um, any, any many bookstores as well as anywhere online. Um, and uh, it's in terms of the, of the lessons that Hannah Moore imparts and that I want to share with readers and, and my students as well, I think it goes back to that discussion we had about the obstacles and, and not seeing, ob- you know, Every obstacle provides an opportunity to do something different. It might not be what we planned or what, you know, we had in mind, but if we see, you know, a door closed as redirecting us, as Hannah Moore found in in her broken engagement, it redirected her to a life where she became uh, a very influential writer and a very popular writer, and through that she was able to change the world. Um, we We just don't know what we need to keep our eyes on the opportunities rather than the obstacles. And I think that's the most important lesson that I learned from her, from her life. And that's such a great lesson because we can all glean from that. And, and it, we all are given, you know, life is full with the obstacles, but if we, you know, flip that into opportunities. And like you said, you know, even in through our disappointments, like with her unmet expectation, disappointment of not, being a married woman with children, how she allowed God to still use her life in such profound ways um, that she couldn't have otherwise. And, and though it may not have been the longing and desires of her heart, God still gave her that in a different package. And God still is working in each one of our lives very personally. So you've given us a great challenge today and encouragement just to live our life and see that. And so, again, thank you. Um, just for being you, for being a voice, and for letting us know of Hannah Moore and her story and how much we can learn just as women from her story. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to kind of wrap up our, our, our uh, dialogue today about, you know, the fork in the road. Are you sitting? Are you standing? We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. 
That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, empowering women to build a successful business, invites you to join her on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. At the ripe age of five, she was already interpreting information in documents and instructions on forms for her immigrant parents. Now, through her experience and those of her guests, she provides you with valuable steps to empower you to reach financial independence. Martha A. Sanchez is a registered nurse with a Bachelor in Nursing and Master's of Business administration. She's a business coach, speaker, author, and CEO of Moss International, LLC. Her diverse work experience brings you expertise in areas essential to customer service, social media, and budgeting. The Mommy to Mogul radio show furthers her personal mission of empowering women to help them build successful businesses so they can reach financial independence. Join Martha Sanchez, the host of the Mommy to Mogul radio show, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We just finished talking, um, interviewing Karen Swallow Pryor, and what a fabulous conversation. I, I do want to run and go get that book, and I actually just want us to sit down and, and talk <laughs> with her over lunch to find out even more during that era, and I know you love that that time and era especially, um, but we were also, we started out talking about that fork in the road, how you're standing there, and, and I love it when you said sometimes I like to actually sit there because I'm, I'm pondering, and it, it made me just think as Karen was talking, you know, so many times I think what I have, I was going to say we, but I'm going to put the focus on just, just me. And, but you're shaking your head because you already know what I'm going to say. Um, when I see that fork in the road, like you, once again, you look at the, uh, at Hannah and what was going on in her life and you go, well, yeah, she, she had something there that she could passionately, um, fight for. And, and I know for me, I find that my mind, I, I have that creative mind and so do you, and it wanders and everything I get excited about. Um, I like new things. I like new ideas. I constantly want to try to um, create something new. And then on top of that, I find that I have this wide array of interests. So I feel like God put something on my path and we always say, you know, look, look where he's moving and then join him. And I I feel like I see God in so many places and I want to jump in and I want to get it going, but I don't want to maintain it or I don't want to deal with all of the, the details. And as I'm saying that out loud, I realize that it really, truly puts me not in a good light because that's called discipline <laughs> that you have to, you have to focus. Yeah. And, um, so many times we can say it, we can go, okay, but focus on those shiny new things that God's putting in front of you. And, um, you know, I, I want to jump in and just be so excited, maybe not jump in and, and move across the world to Africa, but I want to jump in and, and make it happen. Um, but I just have a harder time 
um, because life happens mm-hmm. and those situations take place. So I, I think just spending the, the last part of the show on um, just talking with our listeners on what we can do to move forward, to have that discipline, to go, okay, you know, at the beginning we were talking about reading a book called Plan B, doing things where you go, okay, when those shiny new things, now you're having to maintain them. Now mm-hmm. you're having to have not only the spiritual discipline, yeah, all kinds of things. You, your health, like with Hannah, she had the weakness of just maybe it's depression. Maybe it's just dealing with things that are going on um, with your family that it, it's breaking your heart. Um, and, it, it, you know, we can sit there. And say, okay, you just, you have to, and we know that you have to stay in God's word. You have to look for, for God's direction in, in all of this. But what are some other things that, that we can help um, in staying focused? Well, I think one of the things when she was talking about Hannah Moore, and we both love these true stories. Yes. Um, and just, you learn from other people's story. And that's what we always do is like, and you find encouragement, you find um, strength in another woman's story. And like, even when she was saying, it's like, it's one thing to cast, you know, we always talk about how so many times on Facebook, people put all their, the highlight reels mm-hmm. and, it, and it can almost be depressing because you're like, but my reality is not a highlight right now. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it wouldn't make the highlight reel. And when she was talking about Hannah more, how you, you hear of this woman who really, you know, her contemporaries were John Newton and um, Wilbur, mm-hmm. I mean, huge players in, in history. And you go, okay, from one well, perspective. Well, and the wealthy, just even the wealthy, mm-hmm. when you're not of that status, that as a woman to move forward and be surrounded, then you, you really do feel inadequate. It's like, well, I don't, I don't have the resources that you people have. And for her to go, you know what, it doesn't matter. This is where God is putting me. Well, the fact that she was with these, you know, these contemporaries who were, you know, power players and, you know, she's fighting this cause and making a difference. And you can look at that and just go, wow, she had everything. She was just a strong, amazing woman. And then Karen says, well, she was fighting what we would say clinical depression. She felt inadequate all the time, all these things, the realities of what, but in spite of that, she Mm -hmm. persevered. Mm -hmm. And I think for each of us, you know, it's like when you say, I'm going to be passionate about this, or I'm going to take this mountain it's going to be lined with inadequacy and fear and uncertainty and risk and depression and whatever. And that's just just part of the journey. And I find encouragement so that when you are in those places going, I'm feeling so inadequate right now, you go, you know what? It's part of the journey. It doesn't mean I need to stop. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean I'm a weak person. It's just now what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. And you find that other people that have, you know, done amazing things in life, have the same feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this is all about. That's what Girlfriended is all about is going, you're not alone mm-hmm. in your situation, in your feelings. We all are in this together. We just don't want to stay stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do you move past? How do you get up from that sitting posture at the fork of the road yeah. and not just stand, but start walking a direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the encouragement we, you know, from today's show is like, Start walking, take a step, mm-hmm. you know, a baby step, but take a step somewhere, realizing it, it's going to still be uncertain. Mm-hmm. It's, there's no guarantees and you don't know what's about what's ahead of you, but you just know, you know, and this is not a cliche that God is there. Yeah. He's paving the path. And, you know, and we always talk about how, you know, in, in the Bible, he just said, go mm-hmm. to so many people. Well, look he at what he said him. to Joshua. You know, I'm, I'm sure Joshua was at that point where seriously, 
Now I have to go back over here and yet just being obedient and, and trusting what, what God is putting in your path. I, I'm getting off topic of the path because that's just what we do. But it's because it was interesting um, this weekend we were talking about, um, you know, ending well and having that just passing that baton on and you're seeing in our culture, like the, the patriarchs, the, the grandparents where they're in a different season of life that perhaps their wife died. And, um, there was a scenario where the, the, the gentleman, his wife's wife died. And now he's living with another woman because they don't get the same tax breaks. And, you know, so financially you're making these decisions and how we justify it. Because it, it, you're literally not trusting in God because of all these other, um, you know, talk about going into plan B where you hear you, you lived this fabulous life and you were a great role model to your kids. And now your, your grandkids are coming along and then pow, you're making decisions that aren't necessarily, um, maybe the, the decision in your plan B that God, God would have for you. And I think even coming up with that, you know, it's like we have all these obstacles, but just like you said, God is going to show up and to, to move forward and be obedient and, and trust in him, um, no matter where you are in that season. Well, and we're talking about, you know, plan B, it's like sometimes plan B is thrown at you and you have no control. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you settle for plan B. And I think yeah. that's when you got to identify and going, am I settling for less than because it's the easier path or am I working through that? And that's a question we all need to wrestle with mm-hmm. in, in our life. It's like, how much are you settling for in life and how much are you really going after and persevering and pushing through the fears and, 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 and going past the fork mm-hmm. in the road. And I, I just love her story. I love, you know, that, that Karen, took this, you know, real life woman, Hannah Moore, and used her as an example because she is such an example to us in, in this day and time because we are still fighting for causes today. Like they were, though they're different in some ways, in some ways they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still fighting for slavery. You and me are passionate about, you know, just women in the sex industry and, and caught up in that. And how do you be a voice mm-hmm. when those no longer have a voice mm-hmm. and as and as women how do we really rally around each other for that and that's what you see Hannah Moore like I'm going to fight for those that can't fight for themselves well I think I know once again I'm, I'm sharing my my own feelings of inadequacy um we get we get caught up sometimes and and that's like you said it's so encouraging to see even the part that she said how Hannah her um her boyfriend broke up with her three different times. And you go, whoa, to think of there's nothing your like heart broken three times. Yes. There's nothing like, um, having your heart severed. I mean, truly to yeah. wake up the next day and just keep moving forward and keep looking at the opportunities rather than, um, seeing the obstacles. And I think so many times, I can get off focus because I look at the obstacles, like you said, and just fighting the slavery that's taking place right now. You see the obstacles that even um, other Christians and other believers are putting in front of you that you you can truly get off task. And that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Mm-hmm. You can get so caught off guard where you're going, oh, well, what about this? And you start going down these other paths rather than just moving forward and going, no, I don't think that's where God's putting you. He's putting you on this path. And the enemy wants all these obstacles for you to, to, to lose that focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, it, you know, and the bottom line is, I think a lot of this is we have to be willing to start even before we're ready. 
Mm. And and just start like and that's what you're saying. Just start doing doing something and and just seeing. And it, maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. But um, I I know I am so compelled to not just sit. Mm. You know, and it, and there's a time to sit. Yeah. There's a time to ponder, to reflect, to go. What's next? What am I supposed to do? But I think we all know in our spirit and in our soul when it we've hey, been sitting too long. And so how do we how do we totally just um, do, do that, you know, just get up and go, it's time now to rise mm-hmm. and, and to go forward mm-hmm. and not stay stuck. Yeah. Yeah. So when you are in a funk, let me interview you, Mrs. Jernigan. When you are oh, no. in a funk, you're taking a nasty turn. And we, and thank goodness, we only have two minutes <laughs> So in that, my funk. in that two minutes of time, when you are in that, you know what, I am going to rise up. And I, I know we laugh about it because, like you said, I go for a hike and you, you vacuum. How do you get past that vacuuming stage when you go, you know what? No, I am not going to stay stuck. I think one other thing is, is, um, becoming aware of your Mm -hmm. sticky stuckness Mm -hmm. and going, okay, I'm vacuuming. I've already vacuumed three times today. Maybe that's, I don't do that. But but the dialogue, you're playing the dialogue. Yeah. You have to go, okay, what am I doing? I think becoming aware, aware of yourself, aware of why I'm doing this and where is this coming from? And I think once that, once you're, you can't do anything if you're not aware of it. So I think just becoming self-aware and becoming a student of yourself, it's like, why am I doing this again? Why am I, am I avoiding something? We, we will laugh. We'll call each other going, I am so like, you know, on a shallow level, we are both avoiding taking down our Christmas stuff yeah, because we love it so much. And it's like, okay, I'm really in denial and I'm really avoiding it. I'm doing all these other things because I don't want to do this. And so Absolutely. once you become aware of it, it's like, and so like the other day, it's like, okay, I have a goal today. I'm going to get this done. The lights are coming down outside. That tree is finally coming down. Those boxes are going to get packed away. And so setting us a goal that's realistic. And I, and we did that, you yeah. know, it's like, no, today's the day. And I almost had to do it in frame because you and me laugh about, you know, we need deadlines yeah. and we didn't have a deadline. So I, I gave myself a deadline. Other people and I think, are, I think that's what we need to do. So anyway, we've run out of time. Thank goodness. My funk is over. Thanks for joining our show. Sit, stand and walk and enjoy the journey. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.